Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. Let's start with a thought today. If Christianity is real and the Bible is true, then one of the most foundational elements to our faith is that there is one true God who created all things and calls all things to worship him as the only God. Now, again, that, that's not too absurd of a claim for anyone with a background with the Bible or Christianity. As I said, that's pretty foundational. However, we've now come to this section in Colossians, and we keep hearing the idea of Jesus being the image of this God, the, the one who is Lord over creation, the one who is supreme, meaning he is the leader of creation. He is the leader of his new creation, and Paul gets at the idea that he is to be worshipped. So how do we make sense of this? Because God has said that no one else shall be worshipped, but now Paul is saying that Jesus should be worshipped. God previously said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 52, I am the Lord, Yahweh, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. He's saying he will not give glory and he will not let praise go to false gods. But here in Colossians, God's word through Paul is saying that praise and worship should go to Jesus. So how does that make sense? Well, Paul in Colossians 1.19 tells us. Let's read it. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In him, the, the son, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Our thought for today is quite simple. Jesus was God on earth. Jesus was not like a God. He was not close to God. He was not a mere symbol of God. He was not a lesser version of God or a lesser God. I mean, think about the phrasing of this verse. It says that in him, in the son, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus did not have elements of God. He was God on earth in physical form. And that is unlike any other human relationship. You know, my son looks like me and oftentimes he says things I've said or he mimics actions like me, but my fullness, who I am, is not encapsulated in him. He is his own person and I am my own person. This is not how it works with Jesus. He is the true, eternal Son of God who is God. He's divine, the second member of the Trinity. He doesn't just act like God or talk like God. He is God. And this truth is littered all over the New Testament. Let me give you one of the clearest examples other than the section that we're in right now, which is one of the other clear examples. But in John chapter 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to say that all things were made from 
him. Now he's speaking about the son here, uh, which is interesting because the language he uses about being God and being the creator of all fits very nicely with Colossians 1. It's almost like the Bible is a unified story (laughs) and how it's teaching. But then later on in John 1, in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So again, here he's saying that the son, just like here in Colossians, came to earth and was God in the flesh. And as you read John, you realize he's teaching us that this human, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was the eternal son of God in the flesh. Now, I could go to a number of other places, but again, the New Testament repeatedly emphasizes that Jesus Christ is God on earth, God amongst us in flesh. Here, he says, the fullness of God dwelt in this man, Jesus. So, let me just do this for today. Let me give you three quick reasons why the fullness of God dwelling in the person of Jesus is such good news for you today. First, This reality shows us the beauty of God's condescension. Now, I know for us, condescension or to condescend often carries a negative connotation. It means that we assume a superior position and then look down or literally come down to someone else's level who's inferior. Well, when it comes to God, that's exactly what he does. He is a superior being, but he does not stay far away from his people. He condescends. He comes close. He dwells among us. His condescension is not negative. It's one of the beautiful things that God does with his people. I mean, just think about this reality. This is what God has always done. In the garden, he walked with Adam and Eve. He didn't stay distant. In the wilderness, he dwelt in the middle of the camp of Israel in a tent. In Jerusalem, he dwelt in his temple amongst his people. In Jesus, he came in bodily form to be Emmanuel, God with us. Now in the church, Ephesians says, God has indwelt believers through his spirit. So look, I'm not exactly sure how you're feeling today, um, but I do know one thing to be true for you if you are a Christian. God is not far off. He is not distant. He is not disengaged or standing away from you. He has condescended in Christ and now dwells in you. That is the beauty and uniqueness of our God. His MO is to condescend, to come near. It's like a loving parent who when their child gets hurt, they kneel down to get on their child's level. It gives them honor and closeness and love And so too, God has condescended. He has come down to be with his people as we need him. And we see that primarily and most fully in the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, second, we've said this before, so I won't spend too much time on it, but Paul reiterates it again, so so will I. We know God through Christ. If we want to grow in knowing God, we must look to Christ. He is the embodiment and physical lived out person of God. Our clearest way to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God is to grow in looking to Christ. You know, it's why when we're looking at the scriptures, we're seeing how Christ points us to know him. 
Or in John chapter 5, Jesus tells the Pharisees that they think they will have life and find life and therefore find God simply in the scriptures. But Jesus says it is the scriptures that are pointing to him. Life is found in him. God is found in him. And so since I hit that point a lot, I'll leave it there. But we've got to know the way that we know God, have access to God and experience God is through the person of Christ. The fullness of God has dwelt in him. But a final note, godliness comes from our union with Christ. Oftentimes, I think when when we want to grow in godliness or spiritual maturity, we think, how can I do it? How can I put on good moral behaviors? But what this is teaching us is that godliness was given to us in bodily form in the person of Christ, and godliness grows in you as you grow in recognizing your union with Christ. If you want to grow in godliness, it is found in the power and presence of our union with Christ. You become more godly as you get to know Christ, as your union, your communion with him, you abiding in him, as you and him grow closer, you will then grow in godliness. You know, when we become Christians, we're unified to Christ. And it is as we live with him that we grow like Christ. It is not through mere moral effort and improvement. It is about living in Christ. So friends today, would you see Christ not merely as a religious figure or a set of teachings? And I'm not just talking to non-Christians here. Christian, do not see Christ as merely a religious figure or a set of teachings. Christ is God made flesh. Christ is God coming near. Christ is our access to God. Christ is the power for our growth, and it is all from him and through him and to him. To Christ be the glory. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace.